I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host, Hugh McTeer, and in this episode, we're going to be telling one of the most dramatic stories of Spanish football, the Butcher of Bilbao story. This is the story of the battles between Athletic Club and Barcelona in the early 1980s, centering around the incident where Athletics and the Chea broke Barcelona star Diego Maradona's leg, earning the Basque defender the moniker of the Butcher of Bilbao. As with any story, we should probably start at the beginning. So let's go back to the start with Roman de Arquer, who explains how this rivalry between Athletic Club and Barcelona existed in the first place. Athletic and Barca are the two Spanish teams with more Copas del Rey up until today, with the Basque team having won 23 behind Barca's 30. A very peculiar statistic, taking into account these clubs represent two of the regions with the strongest independence movement. But politics aside, currently Barca have seven more titles, although in the early days of this competition, Los Leones were the dominating team. By 1950, they had already conquered 17 Copa del Rey, having eight more than both Barca and Madrid. That's the biggest title difference achieved up until today in this competition. Athletic were also the team to win the first ever Copa del Rey in 1903, in which only three teams took part, Athletic, Español and Madrid. Los Leones played Madrid in the final and managed a 3-2 victory after coming back from a 2-0 score at half-time. But it wouldn't be until the 1920 when the Athletic Barca rivalry began to flourish. That's the first time they coincided in an official competition, and it was in the big Copa del Rey final. Los Cules took that one home after defeating Athletic by 2-0, despite playing at El Molinón in Asturias, where the large majority of the fans were cheering for Los Leones due to the proximity to Bilbao, in comparison to Barcelona. 
However, the match was not without controversy. Four minutes into the game, a penalty kick was given to Atletico Bilbao. There weren't too many complaints at that point as it seemed a reasonable call. The problem came later after Jose Maria Laca scored the pen. The referee disallowed the goal because his teammates Germán Echevarria had entered the goal area before the shot was taken. But the real controversy came when the ref decided that that was a foul favourable to Barcelona instead of letting Athletic retake the penalty. Athletic still dominated the first half, but in the second half, two goals in the last 20 minutes sealed Barca's fourth Copa del Rey title at the time. A great way to start off a rivalry that would go on for years to come and turn into a Clásico in the Copa del Rey. But this competitiveness between both clubs also shifted to the Spanish league. In 1928-1929, the first year of the Primera División, Barca won the title with Athletic ending third, despite defeating the Catalan team 5-1 in the first round. Although the following season the Basque team conquered the trophy ahead of the Catalans and would get their second in a row in the 1930-1931 season, after adding 22 points, the same as Racing de Santander and Real Sociedad, and just one more than Barca. But the goal average allowed them to conquer the title. Athletic scored a stunning amount of 73 goals in just 18 matches. A dozen of those came in a 12-1 victory over Barcelona, the biggest win between these two teams. In the first round, Barca had managed to overpower Los Leones by 6-3. But in the second round, Athletic decided to strike back by doubling that number. From there on, it would be rare to see both teams in the top three of the Primera División standings until the late 70s and early 80s. Both clubs were title contenders once again, and the rivalry came alive, especially between 1982 and 1984, in which Athletic won two consecutive league titles with Javier Clemente, a manager who's never minced his words, and who clashed with César Ruiz Menotti, who was in charge of Barca's squad. Both clubs and managers represented very different styles of football. Athletic was the tougher side, playing counter-attack football and proving to be really strong in the air, whereas Barca was the more technical team with better control of the ball. Between those two years, they played each other in eight occasions, meeting in multiple competitions, the Spanish League, Copa del Rey and Spanish Super Cup. Both managers got four wins apiece, but Athletic were the more successful side with the two previously mentioned leagues and the Copa del Rey in which they defeated Barca 1-0 in the final. Los Culés defeated Athletic in the Spanish Super Cup, but with a bittersweet taste. They won 3-1 the away game, but lost 1-0 in the second leg of the Super Cup at the Camp Nou, which left the players and fans slightly unhappy in what was resulting to be a difficult season despite the initial high hopes. Because it got especially personal between both clubs after Barca's 4-0 win at the Camp Nou in that same 83-84 season, just a couple of months before. And it basically happened after Goicochea's famous yet shocking tackle on Maradona, which we'll be telling you more about in this pod. That and the subsequent fight in the Copa del Rey final later that season, which took the rivalry to its peak. Maradona was one of the protagonists again, but this time he was delivering the blows and getting his revenge on the athletic players. As awful as it may sound, it really defines the intensity of the feud between both clubs at the time. So, Roman has outlined some of the background to this rivalry there. It's very similar to how most intercity rivalries start. Two big teams who've been playing against each other for decades and who are competitive enough to both be challenging for titles. As Roman mentioned, the Athletic Club won two league titles in a row in 1982-83 and 1983-84, but the first big flashpoint between these two teams came in 1981-82 when Goico Echea injured Bernd Schuster. This was in Javier Clemente's first season in charge at the club, and Paco Pollitt picks up the story here. 
It's actually impossible to separate the iconic, rough, no-nonsense style from the great Athletic de Bilbao of the 80s from the persona of their manager, Javier Clemente. The two were like two peas in a pod, controversial, tough as nails, and with an attitude. Clemente was only 31 years old when appointed as Athletic's new manager and was the rare example of a coach who was in charge of players who had been previously his teammates in the club. A few months later, the roughness of his team's defense directly evolved into violence with a disgraceful challenge by Goiko Echea over Barca's German superstar Bernd Schuster. A nasty studs-up tackle straight to the knee which meant lights out for Barca's player. Injured for nine months because of both the MCL and the ACL of his right knee being torn. That game took place in December 1981 and the final score was a 1-1 draw. It was only the beginning of a three-year run of clashes of bones and legs between some of their most most hot-headed players. Obviously, Schuster never forgot that visit to San Mamés. His recovery was long and painful, but was able to come back fully and was back to business in under a year. But he had a name written down in red in his personal agenda. Goicoechea would eventually pay for what he had done. But it wouldn't happen in that season. Barca couldn't beat Atletic at Camp Nou, and after another 2-2 draw, saw how Real Sociedad were the ones to lift La Liga's trophy. Barca were second, and Clemente Athletic obtained a remarkable fourth place. The next fixture between both took place in December 1982 and Athletic managed to score a sneaky win at Camp Nou with a Goicoechea single goal. Schuster, who had started the game against his nemesis only one year after his severe injury, left the field absolutely fuming. His revenge would have to wait once again in the second game that season as he didn't play at San Mamés. Athletic again won 1-0 with both Goico and Diego Armando Maradona as starters in both teams. That was a dream season for Athletic, who finally conquered the La Liga trophy and became Spain's best club in summer 1983. Finally, it was payback time for Schuster. In September 1983, the current champions set foot at Camp Nou with a rowdy atmosphere and plenty of hostility from the local crowd. The first half was dominated by Barca with two late goals by Perico Alonso and Julio Alberto, which put them in control. Then, in the first minutes of the second period, with a 2-0 score, Schuster hunted down Goiko Echea with an absolutely needless challenge. The German had finally sabered his revenge, but the cost would be increasingly tough on the team as the defender Goiko Echea went absolutely nuts a few plays later, tackling Diego Maradona and breaking his ankle in one of the most infamous and violent challenges in the history of Spanish football. Even though Barca won that game 4-0, the legend of the Butcher of Bilbao was finally born. In the 1983-1984 season, Atletic and Barca went toe-to-toe for a total of five games, two times in La Liga, two times in the Spanish Super Cup in November, and the last one being the season capper in May 1984 in Copa del Rey. All of them showed a different side of the rivalry between both organizations. The first leg of the Super Cup ended with a 1-3 win for Barca in Bilbao, and actually Atletic fans showed quite the sportsmanship by clapping at the opposition at the end of the game as a sign of 
of respect. Then Athletic won 1-0 the second leg, but the trophy would end in Barca's trophy room. A couple of months later, with Maradona now fully recovered, the superstar scored both goals in Barca's visit to San Mames, which ended in a 1-2 score for the away side. Even though Barca had won both fixtures in the league, Athletic would conquer once again La Liga that season, making it two in a row for Clemente's side. The fifth and last game of that increasingly hostile rivalry produced possibly one of the most disgraceful episodes in the history of sport in our country. The lamentable Battle Royale which ended the Copa del Rey final in May 1984. The pressure, the atmosphere, the violence had escalated quickly throughout the game and finally exploded after Athletic's 1-0 win thanks to a goal by Endica. Sarabia que sigue con esa pelota y final del partido, final del partido con el triunfo del Atlético de Bilbao por un gol a cero, final del partido cuando ha habido una agresión entre Maradona y jugadores de, del Atlético de Bilbao, atención se están golpeando sobre Maradona y hay un enzarzamiento general, ahí lo ven ustedes, de Maradona con varios jugadores del Atlético de Bilbao, ha llegado ahora Miguel y le ha golpeado también Clos sobre Pachi Salinas y atención porque... Señores, ha terminado esto entre reparto de golpes de los jugadores. ¿Qué final, señores? Más escandaloso. The final whistle opened the door for mayhem with flying kicks punches, tackles and fistfights between players of both teams, staff members and even stray fans who had sneaked into the pitch. The scandal was huge, with the TV cameras showing absolutely everything. But nobody was actually punished. The referee didn't write anything about the riot in the match report and even though the authorities used the video recordings to ban three players from each team from playing for three months, the actual holidays were included in that period, so everybody would be back on the pitch by October next season. Maradona left for Italy and the rest of the players were eventually amnestied. An awful epilogue for a historic double conquered by Athletic. Lamentable scenes for sure, but if you haven't seen them yet, you certainly do need to head to YouTube to see it for yourself. The audio we played there from the commentator who called it scandalous, it can only paint so much of a picture of that infamous 1984 Copa del Rey final. Now, we have more to come on this topic in part two of this podcast as we learn more about the fallout and the aftermath of these incidents. So stay tuned for that coming up after this short pause. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to this podcast from La Liga Lowdown where we are telling the Butcher of Bilbao story. This is a story about Athletic Club's Anthony Goicoetxea and about Barcelona's Diego Maradona, the player whose leg he broke. And it's a story about these two clubs and one historic rivalry. In the second half of this podcast, we're going to discuss the fallout from the incidents of 1981-84, to starting with the fact that Maradona left La Liga. He was off to Naples. Here's Matt Clark now to tell us about how Maradona recovered from his injury and then made the move across the Mediterranean Sea. The bone-crunching challenge from Goico Echea undoubtedly had a significant mental impact on Maradona, even beyond the lengthy injury layoff itself. Matters were made worse by the ongoing and deepening conflict between Barcelona's medical team and Maradona's own personal doctor, Ruben Oliva, as detailed in Jimmy Burns' biography of the Argentinian icon. Barca's team had fixed pins in his ankle in the conventional style for this type of injury, but Maradona preferred the more unorthodox methods of Oliva. He returned to Buenos Aires to continue his rehabilitation under a program devised by Oliva. Remarkably, he was declared fit to play again by New Year 1984, just three months after the horrific challenge, and he hit the ground running straight away. Another theme of Maradona's time at Barcelona another reason for his early departure from the club was that he felt underappreciated by some of the fans. Having worked hard to get fit again, he felt his impressive performances weren't valued enough by the Camp Nou crowd. Perhaps he would be more admired elsewhere. His close advisor or agent, Jorge Siterspiller, set about looking for his next club and a route away from Barcelona. The tipping point though was surely the 1984 Copa del Rey final and its aftermath. The brawl had overshadowed the match and it was made worse by the fact the King of Spain was present and millions saw it on television. Following this, club directors were frustrated and angered that Maradona's actions had damaged the reputation of the club and it was almost certainly this which ultimately resolved their decision to sell him. Another step on the road to Maradona's exit was the resignation of Cesar Luis Menotti. Coach and player had enjoyed a close relationship which extended beyond their shared nationality. Menotti valued Diego's footballing gifts as more beneficial when set against the baggage which the club board disliked so much. That summer, Maradona departed and signed for Napoli for a then world record fee of around £7 million. As for the challenge, Maradona had described the ankle break sounding like a piece of wood cracking, but in time he forgave Goico Echea, 
However, he had less sympathy for Javier Clemente, athletics coach, who appeared to show little sympathy at the time of the challenge, casting doubt over the severity, suggesting that they should perhaps wait a week or so to see how bad it was. Maradona never forgot that and blames Clemente for the challenge as much as the butcher of Bilbao himself. So that was the impact on Barcelona. They lost their star player in part because of those incidents. They did alright though, winning the next league title anyway. But what about in Bilbao? What's the legacy of those incidents there? And what's Goico Echea doing now? To discuss the butcher of Bilbao and why they don't actually like that nickname in the Basque country, here's La Liga Lowdown's Bilbao-based Basque expert, Dan Parry. Goico. Goico, as he's known up here, because Athletic Cup fans and people from Biscay in general don't really appreciate the butcher nickname that he was given later on in his career. Grew up in a town called Alonsotegui, which is just on the west side of some of the mountains that surround uh, surround Bilbao. And very typical Basque village. And like most Athletic Cup footballers, he would have been spotted playing for his local club and then taken to Lezama. Uh, straight away, typically Basque, physically imposing centre-back, but he was recognised for having a bit of quality. He was left-footed and it was known that he could also play a bit of football. Uh, he quickly made his debut in 1975, actually in a Copa del Rey game against Real Sociedad. And after that, he also established himself fairly quickly as an important member, um, important member of the squad. In fact, he went on to play in the 1977 UEFA Cup final under Koldo Aguirre. Uh, well, he played in the first leg. He got suspended, funnily enough, and didn't play in the second leg as Athletic Club lost to Juventus 2-1. Kind of a side that tends to be forgotten when people speak about these historic sides of Athletic Club, but it definitely set set the tone for what was to come afterwards when he truly, truly made himself an iconic and beloved figure within the club. Because, of course, he captained the side under Clemente that dominated Spanish football in the early 80s when they first won the league. And, of course, in the season after that, they went on to win to win the double when they won the league and the Copa with the famous final against Barcelona. After that, Clemente's side was sort of dismantled in the years after that. There was a big ordeal concerning Clemente and his star player, a guy called Manu Sarabia, which probably deserves a podcast of its own. Uh, but Clemente said, like I said, it was dismantled, partly because of those issues, partly because there's also financial issues involved and Athletic Club sold most of their best talent or they didn't renew the contract of some of their best talents, like Andoni Goicoche, who went on to play for Atletico Madrid, where... Ironically enough, he ended up playing for Cesar Menotti. But unfortunately, his career, his his time at Atletico Madrid didn't really take off in the way that he would have liked because he had a problem with his Achilles tendon and he only managed to make, I think, around 35 appearances. And he ended up retiring at the age of 34 um, in 1990. In addition to this, he also was a quite an important player for Spain throughout the, throughout the 80s and managed to make 39 caps. When it comes to his legacy in Bilbao, of course, he's unbelievably beloved because of what he did with Clemente. He's the, the last captain to have won a major trophy with Athletic, apart from the Supercopa um, when we beat Barcelona in, in 2015. We haven't 
won a massive trophy since then. So he's the last captain to go on La Gabarra to, to take to the Nervion. And because that he's absolutely adored, beloved. And I think people in Bilbao also feel that the incidents that occurred with with Schuster and with Maradona, uh, it's they feel like it's unfair that that's tarnished his career and that he's painted in a light they don't feel that he's worthy of and that it's unfair that people forget that he was also a good footballer and that, yeah, that it's it's not right that he's just remembered in that as being a hard man defender because he was more than that. He himself said he was more than that. He, there was an interview recently where he said, you know, I wasn't just hard, I was a technical player, I was a skillful player. Menotti said the same thing. Menotti, when he signed for Atletico Madrid, Menotti said he was more than... Uh, just a hard man defender he was a quality centre-back was the word he used and Minotti was the one who had called Athletic Club the anti-footballers some years beforehand so I think that goes to say something about his legacy or the fact that he had more ability than what people think he wasn't just a tough defender who tried to maim people on the pitch after giving up his career as footballer he also moved into management in the early days, he actually worked as the assistant manager to Clemente when Clemente was the Spain manager. He hadn't, he didn't really have much success as a manager, didn't really tend to stay anywhere for longer than a season or two. Uh, I think the most notable occasions were when he was manager of Numantia. And I was reading about when he went back to Barcelona of Numantia and in one of the newspaper columns, he described it as being water under the bridge. I think by that point, the hostility the hostility between the two clubs had died down quite a lot. I mean, mostly because Athletic weren't the power that they were in the early 80s, so they weren't really a threat or a rival to Barcelona in the sense that they used to be. So that helped to diffuse the situation quite a lot. And then, of course, a lot of Barcelona players came out and spoke of their admiration for Athletic Club and for its policies. For example, Guardiola and Xavi have been quite open and and public about the about how they feel about athletic clubs. I think all of that tied in together has, has meant that over the years there's not really been as much vitriol towards him as what as what you might expect. In fact, he himself has said that he's been to Barcelona several times and he's always had a he's he said that the the Barcelona people from Barcelona always treated him with a certain amount of affection and that he also has a certain amount of affection for people from Barcelona. So there's no there's no bad blood there. And overall, in general, he's an absolutely beloved figure in Bilbao. He actually still works with the club. He works as part of the Athletic Club Foundation. I think he coordinates uh, charitable events with former players or something like that. So he's still a massive part of the community and uh, a hugely, hugely iconic figure for Athletic Club fans. So there you have it, that's how Andani Goikochea is remembered nowadays. We'll leave it up to you to make your own judgement of his playing career and his athletic club side and that incident. And if you have any particularly strong opinions on that story and that nickname, then do be sure to let us know on Twitter at La Liga Lowdown. I want to finish by thanking all of the contributors, Roman de Arker, Paco Pollitt, Matt Clark and Dan Parry. I've been your host, Drew McTeer, and thank you so much for listening. 